Okay, the Siata Dishmaya Parshas Vayichi, the last Parsha, Sefer Bereshis. There is a Gavaldiga Medrash, one of the Psukim in this week's Parsha, which I'd like to focus on this week, a little bit of a different focus than normal, a little bit possibly of a little bit of a lighter message after last week. I did receive quite a few emails after last week's share. That, whoa, that was heavy. So I'm going to go a little bit lighter on you today, just to uh, change things up a little bit. So the parish should be, tells us like this, in Perik Nun, Posik Tesvav. Yosef, ki father just died, yistemenu Yosef. Look at Rashi, they're accusing Yosef of hating him, hating them. And on this there's a Gavaldiga Medrash. Very interesting Medrash. The Medrash is in Bereshus Rabbah. says as follows. Reb Levi v'Reb Yitzchak. Omar Shalaizimnum Nesuda. Says the Medrash. There was a Suda going on. Yaakov Avinu left the world. Yaakov Avinu was Nifta. And they made a Suda. Just like many times you have a Suda of Avelim together. Yosef HaTzadik says the Medrash according to Rebbe Levi and Rebbe Yitzchak did not invite the brothers to the Suda he made a Suda did not invite the brothers says the, says the Medrash like this Omer Reb Tanchuma Hu nischaven ela l'shem shomayim why didn't Yosef invite his brothers after all there were brothers they had already come together they sorted out all the problems that they had gone through in the previous few parashiyas no there was ah, but there was love together. Why not invite them to the Suda? What's going on? And the Medrash clearly says it was L'shem Shemayim. He did it when there was a, there was a cheshbon involved. It wasn't Stam. There was a cheshbon. What was the cheshbon? Why did Yosef not invite his brothers to the Suda? Says the Medrash, he had a problem. Yosef had the following problem, and the problem was that at the end of the day, he knew that he deserved to sit at the top table. He deserved to sit in the big chair, right in the front, so everybody could see him. After all, look at his position in Mitzrayim. He was top of the world, vice president of the most powerful nation of the world. But yet, he had a problem. Because that's his place, and that's even where his father had placed him many times. But over here, he had a problem that at the end of the day, Yehuda was a melech, Ruvain was the Bechor. He, he, he can't do that. So he decided, instead of getting into a Machoikas, instead of getting into every promise of Sinah, you know what? I'm just not going to invite them to the Suda, and this one we're going to have no problem. That Adkan is the Medrash. Says the Chidusha Alev as follows. What do we learn from this Medrash? What's the lesson from the Medrash that we just read? Chazal tell us, and that's why they're learning from the Medrash, that there's a reason that Yosef didn't invite them to the Suda for the covered of his brothers. He did it with the Gavaldi Gecheshben. The covered of his brothers. How can I sit? I deserve, and that's my place to sit in the front. But how can I do it to my brothers? They, they also, the Bechor, the Melach, I can't, I can't do that. They're going to be upset. They're going to be, you know, whatever. So therefore, he decided for that reason, he's not going to do that. He's not going to invite them. However, as the Torah tells us, that's where the Medrash is coming from. The brothers took it as, ah, he hates us. It still bothers him. 
what we did all those years ago of sending him down to Mitzrayim first, throwing him in a pit and sending him down to Mitzrayim. Look at where he's holding now. Good, it ended off okay. But look at everything he had to go through. He still hates us. That's what the brothers understood Pshat. And the question which one has to ask is why didn't Yosef just tell them? So why didn't Yosef say, guys, I'd love to have you. I would love to have you here. We can eat together. It would be great, but I, I, I just can't do it. There's a problem with the seating arrangements. I don't know. Figure out an excuse. Explain to them where you're coming from. Says the Chadush Shalev, a very penetrating thought. And he says, you know why? Because Yosef HaTzadik never thought that the brothers would think anything else. Yosef HaTzadik understood that if that's how I think, then that's obviously how they think. And the same way that I didn't invite them because of the reason of making a machlaikis, of making problems, of the covet of who's sinning where, obviously my brothers understand that. They realize what the situation is and all the tension that comes together with that. And I understand. Now the brothers didn't do that. And therefore we learn a gavaldiki yisoid from this medrash. A yisoid in our own lives had a deal with other people. Whether it's our roommates, whether it's our chavrusas, whether it's our wives, whether it's our parents or even our children. We often think that if we think something, somebody else automatically also does. Because the way we think, that's the way. So whenever we're dealing with somebody else, and some people have friction over here, they're dealing with people and it could be their own wives. And they have problems, communication problems. Where does it come from? It comes from this. That we automatically believe that the way we think is probably the way other people think also. I'll give an example. Stephen Covey was the one, the author of a very, very famous book, The Seven Habits to Highly Successful People. It sold over 12 million copies around the world. And he writes the following idea. I've shared this with you a couple of other times. It's such a beautiful idea and it's so true. He says, you have a fellow, he's having a problem with his eyes. He sees everything's getting blurry, he doesn't see so well anymore. So he goes to the you know, optometrist, he goes to the place where they do, you know, they check, make checks, glasses, whatever. And he says to the optometrist, I have a problem with my eyes. He says, what's the problem? He said, I'm not seeing clearly anymore. I used to see crisp clear. Things are not all a bit, a bit hazy, a little bit cloudy. No. And you, you need to do something about it. So the optometrist, the optometrist comes along. and says, sure, I have a great solution for you. He takes off his glasses. He says, hey, put these on. The guy says, okay, that's a little bit interesting. He puts on the optometrist's glasses. He's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Takes him straight over there. I can't say that. This is terrible. The guy says, what? Well, I understand you. I've had these glasses for 22 years. They have worked amazingly. Every day I can see perfectly. If it works for me, then it works for you. Right? It's a very interesting idea. But Stephen Curry brings it to explain to us that, you know, we do the same thing in our own lives. We do the same thing. You know, we talk to someone, we have a relationship with someone. Again, it could be our friends, our relatives, our roommates, our chavrusas, our parents, our wives, or even our children. And we have a perspective that if someone comes to us with some kind of, whatever it may be, whether it's a complaint, whether it's a, a question, we take off our glasses and say, hey, see the world the way I do. Because if it works for me, then it probably works for you also. And that's the problem. You know, when we listen to people, we do that. We, we look at the world in our perspective and we assume that they also do the same thing. Do you know that in the world of psychology, this is a proven fact, that the most greatest need of a human being is to be understood. 
that someone understands me. And I've heard this complaint throughout the years from Bachman, from people. I'm not being understood. I've heard it from wives, from husbands. I'm not being understood. Are they listening? Of course they're listening. They're hearing me. But they're not actually listening. You know, the Mishnah in Perikki, office in Perik Base tells us, you can never judge someone Ad, you reach his place. And the moment you reach his place, then you can judge him. You know what that basically means? You know what the Mishnah is telling us? You can never judge him because you never reach his place. Because you never understand where someone else is coming from. And that's an unbelievable thing. You know, what's the difference between a human being and an animal? What's actually the difference between a human being and an animal? So we know Uncle Suwedi tells us Odom is a medaber. And Odom speaks. That's what we do. And Odom is a speaker. He speaks. That's the difference between a human being and an animal. Now, the question has to be that when a person sees an animal or sees a human being, animals, by the way, also communicate. I don't know if people know this, but animals actually communicate. So what's the difference? If they communicate and we communicate, what's the difference how we communicate? The answer is there's a huge difference between the way an animal communicates and the way a human being communicates. And that's this insight. How does an animal communicate with others? It sends out a signal. That's what an animal does. It doesn't speak. It doesn't have the ability, the koyach of dibo. It sends out a signal. I'm hungry. I'm tired. I'm scared. It sends out the signal and other animals either run or come close depending on the signal and what they want to accomplish. An animal also communicates. But think about the difference between how an animal communicates and how a human being communicates. An animal communicates, I need something. I'm hungry. I'm tired. I'm scared. And sends out that communication. The question is, do we communicate like an animal? Or do we communicate like a human being? That it's not only about ourselves. I'll give you an example. I don't know if this ever happens to you, but there are many people like this. Two people having a conversation. One guy is talking. The other guy is listening. But he's actually not listening. He's waiting for the other guy to finish talking, and then he's going to answer. Meaning, while the guy's talking, and again, this can apply to anyone, including your wife, and watch out for this one, that you're listening, but you're not really listening. While she's talking, you're already formulating your answer. You're just trying to be polite. So I'm, I'm not going to interrupt her, right? So I'm just going to listen. I'm gonna, when, the minute she takes one breath of an interruption, bang, I'm in there. Because I'm not really listening. I'm not really, I'm hearing, but I'm not really listening. That's what it's all about. You know, there's a machlokas, without going into all the details, there's a machlokas between Beishama and Beis Hillel, many places as we know, but one particular place, there's a machlokas of different types of marriages. Without going into all the details, Beishama and Beis Hillel, one holds that it's Asa, it's Mamish Asa, they're not allowed to be married, they're not allowed to be together. And the other one holds, not only is it Muta, but it's a mitzvah. And the Gemara tells us, that you would have expected, and these marriages took place. Can you imagine there was a marriage happening, and you've got Beshama on one side that hold that this marriage is 100% Asagomel, and you've got Beshilol on the other side holding that the marriage is 100% a mitzvah, and yet, what we would have expected is they put up signs, look at them, they're allowing something which is Mamish Asa, they've got Hafganaz going on in the street, they're putting up Kolkoris against everybody, but no, no. They lit. This is something that we can all learn from. These are communities that understood halacha in a different way. But they lived in harmony, they <coughs> intermarried one with the other. They lived together. You know why? 
And the mice and the Mephoshim say, this is the Pshat. Why we Paschal like Bezalel? Because they understood where someone else is coming from. They understood where someone else is coming from. is such a tremendous Koyach. That if you understand, and you implicate this into your lives, and into any relationship that you have, or ever will have, I guarantee you, that this will change the relationship. Once again, with your roommate, with your friend, with your parents, with your wife, or with your kids. If they know that you're listening, that you're listening to understand where they're coming from. I'll give you an example. I recently had two complaints from people. One complaint was somebody that came to visit. This was going back a few months ago. He says to me, I, I can't take the system over here. You walk into a bus here and there, it's just wrong. I, I, all I asked was a simple question. They're busy screaming at me. How can this be? What's the pshat? So the answer is simple. Did you think for a moment that maybe he's having a bad day? Do you realize he's been working, you know, driving the, on, on this bus for eight, nine, ten hours. It's boiling hot. The air conditioning didn't work. The ticket machine's not really working. Everyone's going crazy. They're banging on the doors. The kids are screaming. Babies are coming in. Basic. He can't. Did you ever think where he's coming from? I had once a complaint about four or five years ago. There was a, there was a particular bacha in a yeshiva who was every time supper time and the Bochum used to complain this is going back four or five years the Bochum used to complain there was one particular boy who grabbed like three, four pieces of everything no that's not no, you know come on supper is supper there's a there's a Baruch Hashem there's always enough for everybody but to grab straight away oh, come on this guy speak to him maybe speak to him he's doing something wrong he's not acting like a human being he's an animal that's not the way we eat that's not their inheritance come on I said just can I just, you know, not, you know, not that exactly apply to him. But I said, do you think for a moment, maybe he comes from a family of 11 children. And every single week, when his mother used to make schnitzel, she only made 10 schnitzels. So there was always going to be one boy who didn't get a schnitzel that night. And he had to grab. And that's how he grew up. Did you ever think about that? And he's like, no. Never thought about it that way. That's interesting. That's unbelievable. You know, when you learn to think about where someone else is coming from, you think about their perspective. It changes everything. Perhaps it's a good message. Motza Asara Beteves, which we know is the Haskal of the Churban Beis Amigdash. Alright, there's a long time till, you know, Shiva Asabatam, Tamas and Tishiva, Baruch Hashem, and have to fast for a while. But to think about the Ben Odom Lechaver, to think about where someone else is coming from. To go through your life in any relationship that you have and understand maybe he's coming from a different perspective. I see it one way, maybe he sees it differently. By the way, this is the biggest key in marriage. Anyone here that married will tell you that this is 100% true. Because you're two different people coming from two different homes and different backgrounds and different situations. And you get married and you assume that the way I see it is the way she's going to see it, right? I once had a couple where there, there was a major fight. What was the fight? So a simple thing. You would think, big deal. He grew up in a home where his father did all the accounting, did all the bills, all the accounts, all the banks. Like his father his mother had no idea what was going on. That was his father's department. She grew up in a home where she saw her mother doing all that. His father was busy either working or learning, whatever it was. And the mother was busy with the bills and everything else. So each one came into the marriage with a very legitimate way of how to deal with the household, but with a totally different perspective. And the fight was that no one understood, but one second, maybe they're coming from a different household, and that's all they've seen. They've not seen anything else. Rabbi say, I might be saying something so simple. But it's something that is so choshuk with any relationship that you have, is to learn to see where someone else is coming from. I want to tell you, Modika Maisa. There was a Yid, a Yerushalmi Tzaddik here in Eretz Yisrael. His name was Rishmuli Yechiel Friedman. One of the Yerushalmi Tzaddikim. He learned with a Chavrusa, a very choshuk Yid, Rav Meir Atik, for over 50 years. They were Chavrusas for 50, over 50 years together. 
Incredible. Now, they were the best friends, Malani Chavrus, they're tremendously good friends and very close friends. One day, Shmuel Yechiel wasn't feeling very well, and it went on, and it went on, and it went on. And as Chavrus of Atik said to him, you know, I think you better go to a doctor. You know, a couple of days I hear, but it's been already three, four, five days, I think you should go already to go get an examination. So he goes to the doctor, and he comes back with terrible news. The doctor said to him, you've only got six months to live. Comes to Chavrus, he's all down. He said, what happened? What happened? He said, I've only got six months to live, but I'm going to make the most of it. It's going to be Gavaldi, going to be Tashem, a bunch of them will give me but just in case, I'm going to really make the most of it. Later on that day, when the Quran were continuing to learn, he said, but you, you, you're still down, what is it? So he said, he said very simple, he said, listen, I don't know how much longer I'm going to be in the world. And I know when I leave the world, people are going to want to say all nice things about me. They're going to talk about all my qualities and my middas and everything else. I don't want them to say anything. I don't want anyone to speak about me. I don't want anyone to give all these big espadib about me. I'm not interested. But there is only one thing that I would like them to say. And that's the only thing I give them permission to say. And that is that I strive to feel other people's pain as if it's my own. And therefore, I, and not only with their pain, but also on their simcha, on their happiness, I work on it, and I feel someone's pain, and I feel someone's simcha as well. Okay, is it fine? No problem, I'll remember that. A few months passed, and with Shmuel Yechiel's illness went even worse. He grew more frail, more fragile. He wasn't himself, he had tremendous sesurim in his body. And one day, his Chavrusa Rameh walks in, and his lifelong friend and Chavrusa for over 50 years is crying. He had never seen him cry. Even over the last few months of going through this illness, he wasn't crying. Now he's crying. And he says, what's going on? He says, I'll tell you what's happening. He says, I now realized that for my entire life, I was fooling myself. I always thought that I felt someone else's sorrow just like it's my own. But now that I'm experiencing my own pain, I realized that my own pain hurts me much more than somebody <coughs> else's pain. That's an incredible idea. Yosef HaTzadik says, the Medrash who explained by Chedush HaLev is teaching us a Gavaldig Yosef. Yes, he thought he was doing something to Shem Shemayim. The Medrash says it. But if you don't understand where someone else is coming from, it changes the whole thing. Rabbi Sai, let's learn the message from this week's parasha. And the Ezer Hashem, Rabbi Hashem will give us also after the Shema in all of our relationships, whatever we have a Shaykhaz to, to try and understand where someone else is coming from. Have a good night.